Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Cutting the Curve. That's right, Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where we promise you, you give us a little bit of your time. We'll save you days, weeks, months, even years. Got a great episode because I've got a great guest. His name's Kevin Matthews, one of the co-founders of Extreme Ag. We're talking today about perfecting on practices that were learned in 2021. You know, we're recording this right now at about Christmas time. And the great thing about Christmas time for a lot of us that run our own enterprise is it gives you that slowdown where you can look back at the year that was, and you can think about the things that you did, some practices, some new business things, some new uh, farming techniques and tactics and things that you did and say, what did I learn from that? And what can I apply to the next year? That's exactly what Kevin's doing. He's going to share with you practices that he used in 2021 that improved his bottom line. And also you can use to improve your bottom line. We're going to start from planting. We're going to go through the season. We're going to go all the way into harvest three specific things that he applied to his operation that you can apply to your operation as well. Kevin, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good to have you. Okay. So, uh, planting, uh, season till mid season till then harvest. There's a few specific things that when we started setting this up before I hit record that you said, you know what, Damien, this is stuff that I think a lot of farm guys can, can learn from. And, uh, it's something that I learned from and it helped your bottom line. Let's start with planting season. You, you changed some of your practices in the planting season. It was as simple as some mechanical stuff that you did, but it had a big result. Tell me about it. You talked about changing some tanks uh, on the tractor that ran the planter. Yeah. So one of the benefits with extreme ag is we get to test products and see how they hold up and perform. Most, lots of times before other, before it comes available commercially, but these, these items were available but they're expensive. You're looking about $15,000, $16,000 to get a set of these uh, 360 yield center tanks. And um, so they sent us a set last year. We ran them and, uh, in 2020 and really impressed. And so this year for 2021, we bit the bullet. We put sets on all of our planter tractors, run three tractors that we plant, 324 row planters. And um before we was running a 400 gallon tank out on the front of the tractor and then we had the tanks on our planters and we, we run a liquid system. Uh, we were really into banding fertilizer and placing it right up to just as close to where the plant needs it as we possibly can. With that said, a lot of people don't like that because of the fill up times. They want to just fill up with seed and plant all the acres you can plant, but we see a big yield benefit. It pays the bills. So, the old traditional styles, we had um, we had the tank sitting out in front of the tractor. And, and you know, you've been up here at our field days, Damien. We got a lot of traffic and curvy roads, winding roads, and trying to pull out in intersections. And you got a big tank sitting out there in the front. And it, it ain't real easy and it's, it's not safe. And so, with these 
Well, these new style tanks, they set, they're no sticking out no further than the front nose of the tractor and they're uh, wrap up over the front tires up towards the cab, but they balance so well. So what we've seen with them uh, in 2020, of which forced us to go with them in 2021, is our pinch rows. We had a, a lot less um, compaction in our pinch rows where our tracks run in our corn. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, okay, man. first up, let's talk about the mechanicals of this. All right, usually for your infro fertilizer, you would have a tank out on the front of this tractor, and you're talking about a pretty big piece of equipment because you're pulling a 24-row planter, and you've got three of them on your operation to cover your roughly 10,000, 8 to 10,000 acres that you farm. About 6,000 acres, yeah. About 6,000 acres. So you yeah. got a lot 10, of... 10,000 fields, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a whole, it's a whole lot of fields because I've been there. You're right. Uh, and, and like you said, I've also been on those curvy roads going from one field to the next. So you were, you were saying, okay, I still want to have the the product on the tractor, but I'm going to try this thing. And you called it 360 yield center. What's the gallonage on these tanks? So they're 700 gallons. So we're going from a 400 gallon front tank. It's, you really can't get 400 in because it'll slosh out. And um, these are 700. 350 on each side. So it's like saddle tanks, but they set up there on top. Yep. And uh, it puts more weight on the back tires of the tractor and sit up on the front. And so it's ballast a whole lot better. And, and like when you're turning, you can just turn so much easier with them front duels on them row crop tractors. We're running John Deere tractors. Okay. So what, yeah. So what we're talking about now, Kevin, is then we've got essentially it's the old days of saddle tanks, but it's a little different. It's a little bit improvement upon the old days of saddle tanks. A lot bigger, a lot bigger, a lot bigger. And then also, like you said, ballast, it puts the weight more in a usable versus a burden on the tractor because you're putting it on the drive wheels and and toward the back versus on the front. And like you said, doesn't slosh around. And then this is, this is all the fertilizer that's going in furrow, correct? Uh, actually, we use this, and our planter has got a 420-gallon tank on it for this same product. This is our two-by-two products. Okay. And then we also have a 300-gallon in for our tank on that planter. So, To the person that's just tuned in for the first time, two-by-two, two, tell me what that means. That's two inches. The fertilizer is placed two inches off the road, two inches down in the ground, and we actually do it on each side of the seed. So we're a two-by-two-by-two. Okay, so two inches to the left or right of the seed and two inches be below it, and that's where the this product is going. And yeah. so you're obviously doing that because it gives that that plant, that, that seed, as soon as it hits the ground then and activates with moisture, it's getting this thing, it's ready to go. It's this that's is right. this is this is sending this thing on its way. And so this is an improvement because you can put more product on. And it travels better. It works better with the actual mechanical nature of the tractor. Is there anything else we discovered? Well, it's your refill time. So you're going from a 400-gallon tank to a 700-gallon tank. And basically, what we was able to do was cut um, with our – we were saving so much refill time. We're going to nearly 70 acres per fill-up now. And that cut essentially uh, almost two days off of our planting just – you know, every, every minute counts, Damien, you gotta, you gotta keep them things rolling. So you cut two days off. So here's what I guess I'm hearing is for a little bit of money, you got faster. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, we don't make like you guys do as farmers. That was a lot. That was a lot of money. Dude. Okay. Well, let's talk about the money. Let's talk about the money. How much yes, it was, how much you said, I heard the number $15,000. Yeah, 15, you're going to run about 15, 15, five a tank. I uh, said, 
per set. Yeah. So you did that on three tractors. You spent forty-five to forty-six thousand dollars on uh, on doing this. It yeah. gave you you got done two days faster, um, and you liked the application beyond just speed. Let's just say the person's yeah. going. Eh, you know, so much safer. So much safer. Okay. So yeah. Because yeah, you know, some of those yields on those paint rows. I mean, you're you're looking probably a. You know, I've never just measured the actual paint rows of the 360 tanks versus the front mount. But when you look at the ear size, it last in 2020 when we could run them side by side and compare, it was pretty noticeable just walking the fields that you had a lot better consistent ear size, less difference between the in the rows that weren't paint rows. So yep. you're going to help me out here. What's a pinch row? A pinch row is when the tractor tire runs down the road. Yeah. And the row middle, and you got a row of corn here, yeah. a row of corn here. So this center part is your pinch row. Okay. That's that's where your tires run. So it's pinching against the rows. Yeah. And it's it's going to compact the dirt around that seed trench area. And it make it the compaction will the big equipment's nice, you get a lot of acres done, but it's very heavy and it will reduce yield in those traffic areas. And it's considered, we call it a pinch row in those traffic areas. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be, of course, uh, you know, you've got those, those tracks are every, uh, well, 24 row planter. So you're not, you're not, yeah, 40, 44 foot wide, every 44 foot you're going to have yeah. to say it. Yeah. And so you're saying the benefit here was it was less compactful. It was less, right. less yeah. destructive. Yeah. Those front tires, when that tank's hanging off the front, it's just so much force on them front tires. And, and if the ground's damp, um, the, your front end will mire with you a lot more than when it's ballast out, spread out across the front and rear tires. Of the okay. tractor. And then speaking of tire tracks, you did something then mid season when you're going across the fields with your sprayer, you changed some of, uh, how you go about running across the, ground with your sprayers also that cut down on the tracks which cut down on the compaction which cut down on the stuff you're driving over tell me about that yeah so this in uh, 2021 you know 2020 we experimented we got one haggy with a uh, sprayer with all-wheel steer we really liked what we seen so in 2021 we got an additional all-wheel drive sprayer all-wheel steer sprayer uh, it was obviously four-wheel drive. It was a New Holland, uh, kind of like the Miller style. So we got both sprayers with 120-foot booms. Both sprayers are all-wheel steer. And in our small fields, it's not uncommon for 40 to 50% of the acreage in that field to be in a turn mm -hmm. road, which is your outside rounds. So when you go back and forth, you will be turning multiple times. And it, every time you make a turn with a traditional sprayer, you got four tracks. Yeah. And when we went to the all-wheel steer sprayers, now we're two tracks. So we've cut half, we're driving over half the crop. And anytime you save crop, you're making money. It was, we, we've not put the exact dollars to it to compare 2020 versus 2021. And, but it's, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a no brainer on there. All right. Now here's what's interesting. If, if someone would have told you uh, five years ago, Hey, just by changing the, the sprayer, 
you're going to make more. It's not because of the droplets. It's not because of the boom. It's just because of the actual tracks. Would you have said, I'm not sure I buy, I'm buying that. I've always bought it. I've always wanted to go with like a crab steer or all wheel steer type, but they're pretty expensive rascals. And, um, and getting a dealer to service them was another issue. And now we've got dealers that can service them in our area. So we felt like it was the right choice for us. I really question why it took me so long to switch to them. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> let's talk about dollars and cents since we're out here trying to help people make money. And uh, your your expenditure to get this new piece of equipment, what do you think the extra cost was? And then what do you think uh, in terms of payback? Uh, for us, we was running two John Deere sprayers, 4038Rs, and we rolled them every two years. And honestly, the price of them kept coming up. So it got to where it was very little difference in price going with the from the John Deere to the Haggy. Mm -hmm. So we went that route. And then New Holland come in, and they wanted our business as well. So... They had a really good five-year warranty, so we chose to go that route with the New Holland. Um, honestly, I like the Haggy better. Um, it's that's the one I run. The other guys run the New Holland. See, now it's, here's what people, here's what people got to like about joining. The, and we try and tell our our fans, our followers, and our our listeners, and our subscribers, and our uh, viewers. We're not here blowing sunshine. We're going to tell you the truth. He just told you he prefers the Hagee over to New Holland. Uh, he told you that he's a John Deere guy, but he got rid of his John Deere sprayers. We're hey, this is true trial product information. And so you like the Hagee. Is there really much difference? What's the difference? I think it's simpler machine. Um, the, the wiring harnesses seem to be better. We've had issues with wiring harnesses on our New Holland. The New Holland's got a phenomenal warranty. The service has been extremely good on the New Holland. But the fact is, Damien, when I buy this farm equipment, I don't buy it for the service. Yeah, if it breaks down, I want it fixed right now, but yeah. I want one that never has to be serviced. I just want to do my normal service items, my oils, my lubricants, my greasing, my air filters and stuff, you know. Yeah, I remember a buddy of mine told me that I bought the wrong car uh, for uh, to wreck, and I said, "Well, hell, I didn't buy it to wreck it. I, I bought it to drive it." But uh, yeah, so you you don't buy you don't buy. Well, I, I kind of being in twenty three years in the fire department, I do respect his. You know, I chose to put my family in a Tahoe after we run a wreck, and I seen the damage on that Tahoe that was in that wreck. I said, "My family is going to be in one of these." So <laughs> I, I see it. That's a little bit different. That ain't quite the analogy. No, but you're right. You're right. It was. A, it was, a, it was an average, it was an average below average analogy, but your point is you didn't buy these sprayers just to be serviced. You bought them to make them work. And and so you like the Higgy because of the user friendliness of it. It's a little bit more simplistic, but you know what? Simple gets the job done. And then, uh, but you can't complain about the service on the new Holland um, on, on the uh, payback. Yeah. On a smaller field, of course, you got more end rows as we call them. And you, know, you call them turn rows. We call them end rows. Doesn't matter. The main yes. thing is the smaller the field, the more percentage of the field is consumed with those turn rows. Uh, but even on big fields, the less stuff you're driving over, the less stuff you're tearing up and compacting. Uh, will, is there anything that is that, is that decision going to evolve to the next thing? Or do you think that now it's as good as it's going to get? You never know. I mean, it's, it's always something neater and neater coming so that that's a good question damien i don't 
you wonder how much better they can make some of this stuff. And honestly, the dependability, you know, if we, if we can get it more dependable and less downtime, less software updates and things of that nature, then that's, that's what's going to play in on the improvement side. Um, but as far as the functionality of it out in the field, you know, we're running, these machines are obviously front booms. The booms is made out in the front of them instead of in the behind. A lot of people question that, um, you know, you're driving through where you just sprayed or vice versa, but we found no issues with that. We, they tell you how to manage it. And, uh, both, both manufacturers once as good as other about management of it. Yeah. So, uh, you're going over these fields with your sprayer on average twice, right? <laughs> oh, Lordy. So we farm 6,000 acres and we will spray between 28 and 30,000 acres a year. Five times. You're going over, you're going on average five times. So you go over them. Uh, we're talking about when there's an actual crop on. Uh, we'll see we burn down, so we're no-till, so we're going to be burning down. So, you know, instead of running your field cultivator, your disc, and all that, we're, we're doing it with sprayers. So yep. we'll burn so down, we'll come back and do our post-apply, our first post, then we'll yep. come back to the fungicide corn, we'll come back and do a top dress, then we'll come back and do another fungicide and uh, foliar applications, and uh, then on soybeans, We've added another trip to it on soybeans. So now we're coming and we're, we're desiccating our soybeans. So that's the final trip. So, gosh, uh, you know, you've been on me to get more podcasts done. You can't get hold of me. It's because I'm in a sprayer all the time. I need, yeah. I need to so, so a, you're, a good zoom in the sprayer with you. So you're going over those acres once or twice when there's no crop on and the rest of the time when there's a crop on, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Usually about four, three to four times during the season. Now, you just said the word desiccation, which is the third thing when we talk about perfecting on practices that were learned in 2021. This is something you began a year or two ago, but you think you really finally got it dialed in in uh, 2021, and you're going to do more of it in 2022. Desiccation. Uh, all right. First off, to the person that's not heard of this, what are we talking about? Well, it's, it's very, you know, cotton. You always have to defoliate cotton so you can get the bowls to open up and um, harvest it. But then soybeans, which is a crop that we grow here, you know, it's grown all over the world now, uh, but we like it in the South pretty good. But um, traditionally, you would wait till a frost to knock the leaves off to get it ready so you could harvest it to make it easy to harvest. And, you know, that could be the 10th of November or it could be Thanksgiving before that happens. You just don't know when that's going to happen each year. Now, we started growing earlier beans uh, maturity-wise so that we can get them out quicker. The problem with those earlier beans, they yield much, much better than earlier maturities. But the, but the key problem with them is harvesting, getting them ready to harvest because it's really hot here in, in the Carolinas during, you know, say, October. And <clears throat> with that temperature, you know, you got, you got to leave them in the field. Well, a soybean plant matures – and it'll they'll start drying out in the top, but then down in the bottom, those beans will still be green, and then your stem's green. So it makes for a long time wondering, when are they going to be ready to harvest? When can I get these things harvested? Well, you know, 
if you grow tobacco, you're trying to get tobacco primed or you're trying to plant corn or pick corn, trying to get ready to plant small grain. And um, for us, we fortunately don't have the tobacco to fight with. But we started playing with the desiccation. So we had used, um, we've used several different products. Uh, we use a Grimoxone this last two years and we like it, seem to like it a little better. We use about better, a half better, a better, better than better than what you're using Gramoxone. We, we use Gramoxone, and before we had used Defol Five and Sharpen, okay. which is primarily a cotton defoliant, okay. and um, that's a good product. It's got a better harvest interval, so you can harvest sooner after you sprayed it with a label. Mm -hmm. But on the Gramoxone, we use a half rate. It's very very economical. Sometimes we'll go down to twelve ounces, and with that rate. I mean, you're just talking a couple of dollars an acre, Damien, to do this other than your application cost. Yeah. And um, it's gentle on the pods, so it don't get the pods real brittle because you're using such a low rate. And typically, you're going to take 14 to 16 days. Uh, so, and your, and your label set, I believe the label is uh, 12 to 14 days, depending on what state you're in, on your harvest interval after you've applied the chemical. All right, so what we're essentially doing is, uh, and this is something that, you know, we never did this when I was a kid growing up. We're still not doing it in the fields around me, but it's going to catch on, you think, and our, our buddy Kelly Garrett thinks because he's doing it. We're going out there and we're essentially, we're nuking uh, these soybeans. Uh, why are we nuking them? Just to get done sooner because we're trying to beat the weather? Because also the other thing is, does there is there a reason that we would – we would do it other than beating the weather. Yeah. You know, weather is number is a, is a key element, but let's, if you remember, I told you how that soybean plant matured, it matures from the top down. Yep. So every time that bean, that soybean seed, every time it gets wet and dries out, it swells and shrinks, swells and shrinks, it loses quality. Yep. So it's not as good a product for our consumers. Okay. So when we go in and the top four nodes of that plant, when they're at full maturity and the membranes in those pods are separated and the, the soybeans are detaching themselves from the pods. So they're, they're fully mature. They're done. All they want to do is dry down and be put in a safe place to be used by our consumers. So we're going to do this. We're going to force that plant to mature at the same time. Okay. So instead of waiting three or four weeks for that plant to do it naturally, and then half of those pods on that plant are weathered, and are popping out or damaged beans. We're doing it all at one time. Now you got to watch the forecast because you, you want to make sure that when you get them ready to harvest, you don't want two weeks of rain. Right. That's terrible. So you want to what you want to, it's an art to it. So uh, you don't spray more in a day than you can cut in a day. So we're going to spray, uh, you know, you know, so many hundred acres a day because two weeks from now, that's all we can cut that day. All right. So when you go out there and hit it with this Gramoxone, you said something important, Kevin. You said you're only talking about a buck fifty or so per acre of product. Is that what I heard you say? Well, that's 2021. Who knows this year what it's yeah, right, right. So <laughs> last year, uh, the the dollars you got your, you know, it cost you how much does it cost you to use that sprayer? Is it five dollars an acre? Yeah, we we figure seven just seven, you know. seven bucks an acre plus a dollar fifty of product. So eight fifty an acre, but what it did was it helps you schedule out your time 
because then uh, essentially you've got a lot of acres to cover and you've only got so much time uh, hired help and, and whatnot. So your thinking was for 850 an acre, you then can harvest more on your timetable and get your acres covered before we have hurricane snow, whatever Godzilla. Yeah. Well, you know, we're starting golly, almost three for us. It was three to four weeks earlier at times on certain varieties yep. and your day lengths are much longer. So you can, you got a lot more daylight to run. And, um, and honestly, in, in the Carolinas, until you get towards Thanksgiving, it's hard to cut soybeans after, I mean, it gets, when the sun starts going down, the moisture the comes in, moisture comes down and you stop. I mean, you, you, you don't get, but about five to six hours a day cutting time. Most, mostly. Kevin, which by the way, I think I speak for a lot of people in the, in the corn belt in Indiana, that's why you should just let us grow the soybeans. Why don't you just have a few acres of tobacco and maybe, uh, you know, uh, just, just, just piddle around out there, you know, make furniture. I thought North Carolina made furniture, furniture and tobacco. Yeah, let us take care of that. I'll plant the tobacco if you'll come help me prime. Yeah. Right. Hey, you mentioned quality about those soybeans. Yes, Is it, did it make a difference on what you actually got paid? I mean, when you when you took those soybeans that you desiccated, you you harvest them a little bit sooner because of the desiccation. It helped you space out your time, which is good for you for your bottom line. Uh, in other words, it gave you you could get more done because you had better weather, and also you weren't getting into your corn season. All those kinds of reasons. Was there a quality difference you actually saw in your paycheck? Yeah, well, we gained a, we gained about probably about ten percent. Uh, and yield because of the way we desiccate versus leaving them out in the field. Some studies say there's no advantage to it, but what we found for our own is it certainly is an advantage. And then another part of that is exactly what you just stated. So we're basically four weeks ahead of our neighbors or our competitors. Yep. And at the beginning, guess what? The mills are running very, very low on inventory. So they will pay an extra premium yeah. to get you in there that month earlier than when they traditionally get beans. So yes, yeah, so you'll pick up this year. Actually, it was about a, uh, I believe it was right at 30 cent premium. Okay. So just running those numbers is that first off, you think you did get a yield bump because you got the beans before there could be any weather problems that caused it. Yeah, wild, we got a lot of wildlife and they, you know, they run through shatter out beans on the ground and whatnot. So, yeah, so you got wildlife damage that you avoided. You got seasonality that you avoided. It wasn't any chance that they went down in the wind or whatnot, but also by getting them out sooner, the mills were a little more desperate. And so there's always that time when uh, they'll pay a premium uh, basis sort of because they need product now. And so you beat that and you grab 30 more cents. Well, 30 cents on 60 bushel beans, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a fair chunk that's of money. That's 18, that's, that's 18 bucks right there, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, it costs you eight fifty. So you just made $10 uh, above and beyond the cost of the desiccation treatment. Is that sound that's reasonable? Great. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. <clears throat> All right. We're talking about practices that we're learning in 2021 and perfecting the movement in 2022. You told us the three things that you did. Planting season lesson using 360 uh, uh, yield center tanks. Um, it, it, it made it so that you were more efficient. You you uh, had less compaction in your pentros, uh, cut you down on time, and your refills. You said sprayer changes. You changed your sprayers to an all-wheel steer type of uh, unit that drives over less stuff on your turn rows. Uh, 
big, big returns, especially on smaller fields, where you have more percentage of the field in those. And then desiccation uh, got you done with your harvest sooner and also allowed you to space out and work a little bit more on your timing and also gave you a higher quality soybean. Is there anything else about those practices that you're now going to change in the next year because you, you did it. Is there anything like a swat, slight more change in 2022 you're going to do? I think we're pretty good on those practices right there. And then uh, more acres uh, are going to be treated this way next year. Uh, we're all uh, this year. We did a hundred percent. Every acre, every acre is going to go with these three things. Yeah. No drawbacks. No. Last bit of advice, word of uh, warning, uh, piece of knowledge, tidbit, tip uh, that you would share with a listener to the Cutting the Curve podcast. Stay on your toes. <laughs> I'd say stay on your toes, but also don't be afraid to try new stuff. Did you do this stuff three years ago? No. This is this is all stuff that you implemented this year, and you're going to implement it even more uh, effectively in 2022. Am I right? Yeah, you know, it, and it starts with a you know with a small plots. You know, you got. That that's the beauty of extreme ag is we get to try and experiment with this stuff and we have we have a few failures and we have a few successes. So the person that's gonna implement and, and uh start out with these three things, you say you don't need to go full tilt on all your acres, but you need to do it because you believe that they're gonna see an actual positive return, right? Yeah, and I would don't don't ever go full tilt on anything that you're not experienced with. Get get you a few acres and get get you some experience under your belt, some comfort factor, and and then uh, let us make sure it fits your area and, and your environment. That's fantastic. His name is Kevin Matthews. My name is Damian Mason. This is Cutting the Curve. You know, Extreme Ag has tremendous content. If this is the first time you've listened to it, go to extremeag.farm and look at all the past episodes of all the stuff we're doing with these uh, progressive business-minded farm operators. One other thing, you know, if you become a member of Extreme Ag, you will be able to go to Commodity Classic for free due to our sponsorship with Nature. So you can go to the extremeag.farm website and check this out. But if you want to attend Commodity Classic in March, you'll learn a lot. You'll also be able to see guys like Kevin and and and, and hobnob with them, but also learn from some of the stuff that we'll be doing moving into 2022. So go to extremeag.farm and check that out. Till next time. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Till next time. It's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.